ladies and gents. What's going on? This is Tyler Dunn and Jim Monas at golong, golongtd.com, right inside your email inbox, in the Substack app, wherever, however you read, you listen. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you so much for fueling our independent journalism. And when it comes to the good old Go Long show, we have to thank our pals at Fatty Beer. Speaking of beer, Jim, I'm recording with you at the go-to watering hole in Green Bay, Wisconsin. One of, one of, didn't, didn't really discriminate like a decade ago. It feels like it was yesterday. Walking in here to Hagemeister Park on Washington Street, Green Bay, Wisconsin, seeing my pal Corey behind the bar. It wasn't even like a, what's going on? We haven't seen each other in years. It was, hey, you want to spot a cow? Just got the spot of cow and off we go. <laughs> like it never left. It's always the sign of a, a you know true place that feels like home when you don't. It's not an overreaction. Let's get down to business. You know, I used to have that in Folly Beach, South Carolina. I mean, when I walked into the certain establishments, I wanted my shot of Jameson and my Miller High Life. I, I didn't have to say anything. You just walk in. You could be gone for a couple of years. You go back, shot and a beer. It was so seamless that I, for a moment, I'm like, does he even remember who I am? It was, he, there was like no reaction. It was just spot a cow. Yeah, spot a cow. There, there we go. But they, they sponsored our uh, rec basketball team, the Hagemeister Park Media Mafia, um, infamously got off to an 0-7 start in the Pine Division here in Green Bay in 2012, 2013 maybe. Got to say, it was pretty embarrassing because we were all pretty athletic. But in this rec basketball, it, it was just different because you could play zone. We'd play like these 40 and 50. I think they even had a 60-year-old on one team. And they just pummeled us. We, we lost to them by like 40. It was it was awful. But when we were close to being 0-8, we won. And we came right here and celebrated in true 0-8, no-we-ain't fashion. I think a chant was started here at Hagemeister Park. But... Yes, so many memories being back here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Love the town, love the state. The fans, you know, everybody knows what Packer fans are, as passionate as it gets. And we've got a lot brewing here at Go Along when it comes to the Packers for this week and beyond. Been able to sit down with some players. And uh, yeah, we, we can talk about the Packers. You know, I got into it with Bob McGinn at length. So if you really want the full breakdown, Bob, who never makes predictions and surprise, surprise is often skeptical. Some would say cynical when it comes to the Packers sees a win. He sees Green Bay going to Dallas and winning and he didn't really hesitate. So check that out. If you'd like, check out the podcast with Brett Favre, Brett really detailed what he sees in this team, what he sees in this quarterback loves it i don't know where you want to start jim i really want to touch on all of the games because maybe we say this every year but i'm looking at these matchups and i'm like this is going to be fun as hell i love all of these games they're they're, you've got so many storylines like the script writers themselves put this put this together but like what, what game to you is most intriguing first of all i'm with you right now on this weekend to me is more exciting than like Final Four weekend, college basketball, like, no. Wild Card weekend is where it's at. It's Saturday, Sunday, and we get a Monday night 
as three nights of great action for the gambling world, for the football love world. Every matchup is fun. A favorite one, Stafford golf's hard to beat. That's a hard one for me to beat. I need to see how that plays out. But let's just let me touch on the Green Bay game and we can move on because I know you and Bob hit that hard. And honestly, Bob does Green Bay more than anyone. But my two cents on the Green Bay game, I'm into. I like the seven and a half um, with that team because of I think Dallas's defense isn't good enough to really destroy, you know what I mean, to cover that number against a Green Bay team that, let's face it, Mark Ross from NFL Network, who we had on the show, texted me the other night, and he's a Jordan Love guy just like you were. He was he was documented coming out of college. He respected that pick just like you did. And he asked me, you know, are there five quarterbacks playing better than Jordan Love right now in the NFL? And it's debatable. I was like, no. I mean, you could say he's top – I said, obviously, he's top ten right now, which we always like to talk about top ten, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, he's good enough to win a playoff game. And I'm, I'm good taking the center and a half there. You know, did, you just made me think of um, one of our Jordan Love stories. I know there's been a few, for better or worse. This has been a, a site for much Jordan Love content. But back in the offseason when Aaron Rodgers was holding the Packers hostage and wanted Brian Gutekunst fired, and the Packers were begging and pleading him to return, and eventually he did. Back then, when we had a Jordan Love story i actually interviewed mark ross i had to look it up and i I loved his perspective obviously mark he's doing fantastic work at nfl network now um but was an nfl exec for 20 years i want to say in different front offices eagles bills giants this is what he said then and i think it's really interesting this would have been 2021 so since he said this to a I definitely want to have a deep to a to a conversation with you at some point, Jim. Mm-hmm. Right, he lights the league on fire with Mike McDaniel, and things end with a kaput in year one, and it's kind of doing the same thing here in year two. Here's what he said then: "Quote: Tua was always shooting layups or open threes with that offense. Speaking about Tua at Alabama." He had the blocking. He had open guys. With Jordan, he was always trying to beat guys off the dribble or hit threes with people in his face because that team he had around him, the blocking was awful. The receivers were little dudes who couldn't get open. Every play for him, he had to do it. It was rare. It was 10% when it was just easy for him. That observation, that analysis from Mark stuck with me. That would have been the summer of – 2021, like I said, mm-hmm. and you're really seeing that now, I feel like, where I'm not out on to it yet, not even close, mm-hmm. but it he is at his best within the confines of the offense in which he's playing, Alabama, Mike McDaniel. I feel like Jordan Love, we're seeing a game that can adjust and improvise and adapt, and now he's reading the field and knowing exactly where he wants to go with the ball, play to play. You know, Brian Flores, game one, is showing blitz, dropping blitz, and that's what really gave him trouble. He was like one of eight with a pick the first game. Second game, it didn't matter what Brian Flores was doing, blitzing, stunting, dropping. He's seeing the field. And I I don't see how Dallas can confuse him, even in Dallas. I don't think this is a defense that is ruthless and deceptive. And it's still a playoff game. I know you're giving me a look, Jim. 
And there's a stat out there that you'll probably touch on about first-year starters and playoff games. I'm just judging Jordan Love off of this season, what we've seen the last month, and it's damn good. And, of course, I'm not going to back off now. Jordan Love's going to go to Dallas and tear him to shreds. No, so I'm Team Green Bay. I'm, I'm in with this. I'm invested. But what, what I was smiling about is the stat that I want to talk about really is more the fact that we're really not talking about Jordan Love. What we need to talk about for real with this game is Green Bay's defense isn't good. The yards per play, terrible. Um, points per game is not terrible. Points per play, I should say, which tells me they're living dangerously. And against Dallas, that's tough. You know what I mean? I, if this gets into a shootout, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel good about Jordan Love in a shootout right now? Yeah. Because he's playing. Feel- yeah, like that that basketball mentality that, that Mark talked about and you that stuck with you, he does play like that. He's so smooth with guys in his face, able to, to make those, you know, off-angle throws. Um, and... and it does seem seamless and effortless. And that's always the sign of somebody that has no ceiling almost where if you want to go to two quick two to me, it's just, we don't need to overanalyze it anymore. He has a ceiling. He's a good quarterback. He's a good starting quarterback in the NFL. We know what he is. He needs a lot of help. He's not going to necessarily elevate your team because he has limitations that we see every year. The same limitations we talk about, we see every year. It's not, but it doesn't mean you can't win with them. They, they've proven to be Miami. We're still now, I know we switch real quick, but Miami's offense is good enough to go to a Super Bowl. The thing, I, I still think they are, but they have to be perfect. They don't have room for any error. Miami is going to have to make a difficult decision right. contractually with Tua Tunga Viola soon. Yeah. And, you know, what is the number? I don't think it would keep going north of Bur- north of Herbert, north of Burrow, pressing the market to new heights. Um, I right, I, I'm kind of stopping myself short because I, I think that Tua does have a lot of traits that can win you a lot of games. He's accurate. He's going to hit guys in stride. It's that so- four one Olympian track sprinter handing the baton to somebody at full speed. When he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like they've he 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 does a lot of things exceptionally well. Um, but there are times when you're watching a Miami game. Tell me if this throw kind of enters your memory, Jim. And he, it's like no, I mean, this is his best throw. It's that in breaking route where he kind of layers it right. It's like over the linebackers before the safeties. Like he he, he that accuracy is perfect. But if that's not there, if that first read isn't there, if you can take that away. Or Tyreek Hill's dropping the ball. Tyreek's had a lot of drops this year. Um, then it gets a little dicey, especially if the running game isn't going, especially if Raheem Mostert's hurt like he was his last week with Waddle, with Chubb, with Phillips, with Xavier Howard, with Van Ginkle. I mean, they were down to a skeletal unit against the Bills. Th- then you run into trouble because the quarterbacks who can create and improvise and operate outside the confines of the play – you're going to need it over the course of four wins to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. You asked, what do they do with Tua? 
points per play, they're second. Yards per play, second. Third down, seventh. Red zone scoring, touchdown percent, two. Touchdowns per game, number one. You have you have a legit starting, good starting NFL quarterback. You don't need to overthink it. Get the deal that works for you. You, you set that you set it. But those numbers, you can't lose that guy. How do you replace like who are you going to replace him with that are going to beat when you're ranked first and second in every important offensive category? Yeah. You're fine. Two is good. He's not going to be special, but he's damn good in your offense. I just think when I think of guys that have what the difference is, believe it or not, I feel like Purdy, who I I feel like if we're talking about a guy that gets labeled sometimes, I hate it, but you know, the whole he's just good because he's in the San Fran offense. I don't feel that way with Purdy. I don't see I see it differently. I think Purdy can get to his second, third reads and still throws them open. That's how advanced he is. And when I always say Purdy reminds me of Breeze when I was with the Saints. We talked about that before. Where I that's the first guy, whenever I see Purdy play that offense, it's like that's how it looked in New Orleans. But Tua has a ceiling. Do the deal that works for you. You don't want to lose him though. It behooves Tua to get to that number two because his career was on the fast track toward being a backup before Mike McDaniel. You know, it, he wants he's going to want to stay with this coach and this offense, and I, and I would think McDaniel will want to keep him. But it, it gets tougher, though. It does get tougher because they've had the benefit of spending, like every team, like when you've got a quarterback on that rookie. They they, they can go out and just buy players. Yeah, but you I can, think that's why it's got to be so demoralizing for Miami. Their season oh. isn't over yet. I mean, they could go on a run. Who knows? Isn't it funny how we've we've pretty much eliminated Miami because of the temperature? I, because of the weather. I know. I know. it. We're picturing the Dolphins just, you know, decomposing into mush out there in Kansas City. I got to tell you, it's it's funny because we're just eliminating. We're acting like Kansas City is the same Kansas City, and they're not. They haven't been close to a team that should just get a win given to them. You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate, Miami. <laughs> the numbers don't look good for Miami as far as their history of single temperature games, but we're bouncing around a lot. If you want to, you want to single in on like, you want to go game by game and just, I know we Let's started stay on this one for a minute. Okay. I, I mean, they're all fascinating, but yeah, they're fun, fun games. Miami's healthier than they were against Buffalo. I guess, however, however you decide to look at it, the way that uh, like Robert Mays and Nate Tice put it, they've got the great athletic football show is like Miami just doesn't have that venom on offense and can't just see it. It just seemed like the first half of the season, that quick strike ability was there and, and, and just putting fear into a defense that one of these guys could go 70 yards at any moment. It's not like they're bad offensively. It's, it's not like they're struggling, but it's just more plotting. And I guess if they're, if they're not the cobra with the venom, they're they're more of a uh, garter snake at this point, just underneath a rock out back in the landscaping. Eh, eh, not that dangerous. It's fair because think about it. It really goes back to what we just said. We just assume they can't play in a bad temperature game because that's not how they look on offense. Like they don't look like they can get down and dirty 
and run the ball like the Steelers. Well, the Steelers can do that every game, no matter if it's good weather or not. But the Bills can switch gears, I feel like. The Bills can get down and dirty if they have to. Um, where I don't know if Miami, I haven't seen that. And I, I can't wait to bring that point up when we get to Bills Steelers. But on Miami, Kansas City, who, who do you have and why? So I don't like the game. I don't usually mess with bad weather games like this because it just, to me, it throws out. I do so much analytically. It just throws out so much. Um, so I'm probably not going to mess with it. If anything, I might take the over in the game. It's at 36 and a half, I think, which is a good number. And a game like this, you could get some turnovers. You could get some wild stuff in snow games that you don't expect sometimes. But no, I don't really like the game gambling-wise. So as we sit here, what is the weather report? I haven't looked at it recently. It's like zero snow, zero degrees snow. Yeah. Fun stuff. <sighs> Kansas City does have a roster built for it. That defense is really good. I guess if, if the offense is going to struggle – like they are and receivers are going to line up offsides on potentially game winning plays and drop bombs and be all in all about as untrustworthy as it gets. It it's good to have a defense playing like this. And Mahomes is what what's the record? The, the stat thrown around eleven and two in the postseason, or is it eleven and three? I think it's right to assume he will take it up to a different level even though we really haven't seen it, I guess the Cincinnati game was a little better, but Cincinnati's defense isn't exactly lights out. And then they had the week of rest. So what Kansas city's offense is going to look like is kind of a mystery. How does the running game factor into it? Is Rasheed Rice positioned to be that game breaking threat that they're going to need to get back to the Super Bowl? I I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have an answer. I feel like in this game though, against the Miami Dolphins, at Arrowhead, I'm taking KC. I, I think it will be low-scoring low, low scoring by both teams' standard, and the home team wins. I, I don't know. I mean, is there a Tyreek revenge factor here? Maybe, but he didn't really play that exceptionally well against Buffalo. It drops in the one snap, he goes out. Two, it throws into the double coverage. It's just, I don't know what to make of Miami. Well, I think the Tyreek thing, it's just you feel like he's eliminated in this game because of the weather. Like his, you know what I mean? I feel like we're just not even thinking about his, his you know, what his strength is. That's why it's so hard to picture Miami winning this game. True. Okay, let's stay in the AFC then. Let's get to those Buffalo Bills in the number two slot hosting the number seven seeded Pittsburgh Steelers. Which, first blush, seems like a mismatch, correct? The Bills. It is. Would outweigh the Steelers in the talent department. I think that's fairly objective and obvious. Um, this is what's funny about the NFL, though. Like, the week is so long, you can just fall into that paralysis by analysis and 
wonder, oh, well, you know, 30 mile per hour winds, 40 mile per hour winds, snow. Um, no TJ Watt, but Marcus Golden. And they drafted somebody. They're a little better positioned to maybe withstand that loss. And Mason Rudolph, look at that passer rating. He hasn't thrown a pick. Where are you with this matchup? Um, and where are you with the Buffalo Bills? Obviously, when people tune into this podcast, they they want to know what what you think about the team that you used to work for. Where where are they right now? They're they're winning. They haven't lost in a long time. It hasn't been perfect, but they're winning. And, and yeah, and they're not playing great um, on offense. Like to, when I say great, to the point we know they're capable of more, which says so much about how talented they are. Um. To talk about what they did against Miami was incredible. I, I, you know, I thought it was the story of the year is what the Bills defense did. That was, that was Miami's game to win against Buffalo. You know, they had Josh Allen. They got there. We talked about it. They had their turnovers. So for Buffalo to overcome that and play that kind of defense down in Miami against that team, I mean, what else do you want from this team? As far as you already know, we've been, I'm invested in the Bills all year. As far as I think they can win the Super Bowl. It starts this week. This is that show up, show up and don't screw up game. Don't fumble the ball. Don't block. Don't have block. You know, all the craziness that can happen in football. Now, that's what plays always is what the Steelers thrive on is, hey, we're going to hang around. We're going to hang around. The ball's going to pop loose. All of a sudden, the Steelers are going to be winning in the fourth quarter. But I don't see it that way. Bill's just got to play clean. There's just no sign of anything that says the Steelers should beat Buffalo. Nothing. Other than right. got, without TJ Watt. I'm, I'm counting that Watt's out. I, I count that as a major, a major miss. I think this is a good test for the Bills because they've been preparing for this moment. It seems like Sean McDermott made a concerted effort oh. to build a different offense. So reporting on the McDermott problem, it's in there. I think part two. Yeah. A, a long time vet basically told me that offense is built to win in a dome. And yeah, everybody wants these home games in the playoffs, but why do you want those home games in the playoffs? Because your, your team is built to win in a dome. Isaiah McKenzie on the happy hour. What did he say himself? He said, that would have been a different game against the Cincinnati Bengals if it's in a dome. They that had to have been a factor in Ken Dorsey being replaced and Joe Brady taking over and Sean absolutely having his fingerprints all over the offense for better or worse. He he wants a team capable of winning a game in whatever weather conditions in golf Highmark Stadium Sunday. So if it's windy, if it's snowy. They've got those home playoff games. They earned it. They beat the Dolphins. They were what? Multiple games back for multiple weeks, and they they clawed their way to earn the right to host these playoff games. And McDermott and the Bills feel prepared to win that that kind of game. If it, if it is mucked up, if it is a Mike Tomlin Steelers one-blocked punt, one slip of a cornerback mm-hmm. on George Pickens away from – Like, Mm -hmm. in theory, the Bills are now built to switch gears, like you said. Okay, they're they're pyrotechnic and throwing it all over the place for most of the last seven years where 
that that isn't really what they are anymore. Like they, it's going to be hard to switch back to that gear. And that that would be my concern with the Bills is to to win a Super Bowl. I, I feel like you do need an offense that's explosive still, that is featuring Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. I still feel they're going to need that mm-hmm. against, against Baltimore, against Kansas City, whoever. Um, but for this, we're, we're talking about the wild card games for this wild card round against this opponent. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be mucked up. In theory, you've got the team now and the offense now to win that game. Yeah, no, sign me up, get it started. I, I said it's always when I was with the Saints, when you know you're good enough to win the Super Bowl, the regular season's painful. So long, painful. You just want the playoffs to start. And that's how I feel like the Bills are ready now. Like I think they find out we can't live that way next year. You know, next year, let's not get to this point where we got to win out to sneak in. Um, well, I shouldn't say they sneak in. They're the two seed. But – which is funny. I mean, they, they did They did kind of sneak in. They almost missed the playoffs. A two, seed, a two seed sneaks in. But um, yeah. it's true. Right. But, no, I'm you know, I'm, you know I'm how I feel about this team. I, I think they're ready. Is it I, is it close? This game, no, because Tyler, it's the Steelers' defense. It's not like it's that. I just without Watt, it doesn't do it for me. Highsmith is obviously a game changer, but like I said, it's gonna. I, I just show me how if Mason Rudolph does this to a team that just shut down Miami. So we're in agreement so far. Chiefs over Dolphins, Bills over Steelers, Green Bay. Green Bay over Dallas. Yeah. So let's stay in the AFC though. Houston, eh. Cleveland. Any thoughts? Yes, that game's fun. That is a good one to kick it off. Um, as far as the spread goes, I'm going to take Cleveland because it's right under that three number. They're minus like two, two and a half. Because of rookie quarterbacks, man, we know how great Stroud is this year. And I am using the word great. Like he is, he is, he and Jordan Love just, they went right into that, you know, how we always talk about quarterback tiers. Here, he and Jordan Love just entered the fun tier, you know, the, the big boy tier. They're out of the, they're out of the, the mix of muck of everybody that we were wondering about. Um, no, I can't wait to see if Flacco can pull this off. And just to think about, which he can, this defense for Cleveland's real. And when you have possibly, you know, if it's not T.J. Watt, it's Miles Garrett, who's the best player in defense in the NFL, in my opinion. So I'm cool with riding with Cleveland in that game against a rookie. And I, you know how I feel about Jim Schwartz. And I think, I think he finds a way to get that done against a rookie quarterback as well. But that's going to be a good game. I, I, I'm not sitting there saying I think – I definitely think Houston can win that game. I'm taking Cleveland, but tough one. This is a tough one. You make a good point on Jim Schwartz against a rookie quarterback. Playoff, the talent he has. T- playoff defense, Tyler, I swear to you, it's a whole new beast. And, and, and if, you, if you see Jordan Love, which I'm actually worried about him too, with the guy going against Dan Quinn and Stroud going against Jim Schwartz, that's the two things I'd worry about where I do believe where those great coordinators, they raise their game even more in the playoffs for on defensive side. No Tank Dell, but man, Nico Collins, 
blew up blew 200 up. yards. They've got a special connection. I, if they can get Singletary, if they can get the run game going a little bit to take a little – you are at home, and Stroud's been a hell of a lot better at home than on the road. I'm sure you've looked at those numbers. And Cleveland's defense has not been as good on the road. So, right. right. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, that's a good – that's a good sign. That's that points in Houston's favor. You're right. I want to take the Texans, and I don't really have a logic to put behind it. I just feel like <laughs> I want to see more of CJ Stroud. So I'm going to pick I'm the Texans. You. Is that all right? He's so good. I I'm want to see CJ Stroud. I don't want to see Joe Flacco. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll leave it there. Because uh, defensively, I mean, the Texans have holes. They've oh, got Cleveland, Cleveland's good. Cleveland can throw the ball down the field now. I can I can see Flacco lighten it up again. Mm-hmm. I, can see I can't. I mean, let's let's not think that the Colts are some great team that the um, that Houston just had to you know, right? So against Minshew, that Colts. I mean, Houston's going to find out this is a big time defense. I mean, not that they not that Stroud Stroud is capable of anything. He's that talented. So this is good. Good fun matchup. All right, we had to hit pause there, Jim, because uh, I drank all my spotted cow. So we've got spotted cow number two here. For my money, still the best beer going. Cannot go wrong with spotted cow. It's smooth. Gets you through some good football talk. What's next? What game do you want to talk about? How about Rams Detroit? Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Sam Laporta injury. The Sam Laporta injury is a game changer for me. Hundred um, percent. I'm invested. I like, like I said, Green Bay is going to be one of my good plays. Rams is going to be one I'm investing in. I think that injury scares me. Golf needs him. Um, he's a playmaker. He's not just a tight end checkdown guy. He makes golf. He can make you look good as a quarterback. Um, I do think that one is concerning. I also think Stafford. This offense right now, I don't think Detroit's defense is good at all. And I don't, it's not that the Rams' defense is much better, but Detroit's defense doesn't do it for me. Um, so I'm going to take the Rams. Even if Detroit wins, I'm taking the three and a half to get the technical side of it. I do like the points. But and I could see Detroit winning, so I do like – that's why I like that three and a half. But I think the Rams can win this game. I'm with you on the Lions defense. They need somebody else to win a damn one-on-one up front to take some pressure off Aiden Hutchinson, to take some pressure off at the secondary. I mean, so, they've gone through Bruce Irvin. They've 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 gone through Isaiah Bugs and uh, bringing Tyson Alualu back and and the interior. I mean, they've they've tried every position. They could use James Houston, who broke his foot in week two. And they sure as hell could use a lean McNeil inside who had five sacks in his first 12 games and gave you a presence. They need somebody. To, it, I, I feel like it's about stealing a possession or two. And, and we got into it with Bob. So apologize for repeating myself. Like if the lions are going to win games, they're going to need their offense to put up a lot of points and they're just going to need turnovers or fourth down stops or, they're not going to be able to just go out there and morph into the 2000 Ravens, 85 bears, stop offenses, drive in and drive out. Not at this point. They are Detroit's defense, 27th points per play, 26th 
yards per play. Tyler, that's that's a one and done like recipe right there. No defense, can't do it. Like for me, I, I'm too into I'm in the quarterback and defense. Now it's not that the Rams have the Rams aren't that much better. I mean, they're 18th and 19th in those categories on defense, so it's not like they're that much better. Gotcha. Both offenses are fascinating. I just, both offenses can run the ball. Both have quarterbacks that can just fire it around. Give me the front office perspective, though, on mm. what Les Snead and Sean McVay did to Jared Goff. They told Jared Goff, you ain't good enough. Get the hell out of here. We're banishing you to Detroit. We're going to send you off to this team that's won one playoff game since 1957. That has a new GM, has a new head coach. And oh, by the way, you're basically just a collateral damage here, Jared. Right? They're, they're, they're only taking you because we're giving them all these picks. <laughs> That's what it was viewed as. Like, golf had this terrible contract. Golf is, if we're going to talk about Tua as a quarterback in a system, which. I said, I'm a little hesitant to go to that extreme, but that, that, that that's kind of how the Rams viewed golf, like within what they did offensively, that he was only going to take them so far. They thought they needed somebody that could kind of evolve their offense, and that somebody was Stafford. They did win a Super Bowl, so maybe that's more than enough for the Rams to feel good about that trade. But now they're playing each other. So that, that's what's fascinating to me. We're going to see these quarterbacks face each other now. Okay. The difference, the the way I view golf is how I view Tua, where they are certainly good enough to operate top five offenses in the NFL and win with, but they both have ceilings. Neither one plays clean. They always throw picks in big games. The pressure hurts them more than it hurts other quarterbacks. Stafford can make throws under pressure. He can he can make throws from the crazy arm angles that we t- we've seen him make. Mahomes like where you could say Mahomes is Stafford-like with some of those throws. Throwing the football for Stafford is easy. You see what I'm saying? So golf has to me, and that's that's just how I look at it. He's like two. They just have that ceiling. Not, And I'm with you. I'm not saying system quarterbacks. These are winning. These are, yes, you can win with starting quarterbacks in the NFL, top five offenses. You can't fake that. So golf is certainly good. I mean, that's what's great about the NFL for – all of the changes, all the evolutions, you know, all the flags and fines that drive us nuts. It's as true as it's always been. Which quarterbacks can make plays when they're pressured? Which quarterbacks are sitting ducks? Which quarterbacks make plays? You know, Josh Allen can stiff arm a D lineman with one hand and his feet are all messed up and he's got a strong enough arm to throw it across his body, across the field to convert a third and long. Are you really saying that about Jared Goff? Are you really saying that about Tua Tunga Viola? No. I think you might be saying it about Jordan Love for many years. And that's why we're all in on Love. But there's some quarterbacks who can make that play. And then there's some quarterbacks who can't. And it's really hard to jump from one bucket to the other. I feel like you kind of are in one category. right? And that's not a knock. Hell, Tua might win a Super Bowl. This offense is futuristic. It's everything we've been saying all, all year. I love it. And I, I think Tua has some strengths. Just like Jared Goff has some strengths. They could get to the Super Bowl. They could win the Super Bowl. But if we're just 
looking at the quarterback position, like the, if you're facing one of those guys, pressure is everything because you know that you're going to take yeah. away everything if you yeah. can just get some pressure. And that was the case in the 90s, in the 80s, the 70s. Always. I'm, I'm here at Hagemeister Park. You know, I got a picture of the 1920s Packers behind me in leather. They don't even have helmets on in this picture, do they? No helmets. But this is pre-leather helmet. I'm sure it was the case back then. Okay. So you're going Rams. I am. The, yeah, I just, like I said, it's until Detroit's defense. I just, I'm not buying into deep. No defense in the playoffs. I'm not going with you yet. But, oh, my God, Jim, imagine Ford Field hosting a playoff game. That's got to mean mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that place is going to be Metallica, rock concert, insanity. And they do have Jameer Gibbs. They do have David Montgomery. I'm um, come on, Ross St. Brown. Josh Reynolds. There's weapons to work with still. I'm not saying they're not going to score. With one of the best offensive lines. And you're – so my argument for Detroit is, like, they will force a turnover that That's, will flip the game with that crowd behind them. And that would be – like, I'm not – That's ex- I was smiling again because I was thinking, yeah, I could see the Rams winning 37, 30, you know, four. One of those crazy games. Like, yeah, but I could, to your point, I, I think I always say it's like that big tennis match, like who breaks serve, who gets that first turnover. Yeah. Oh man, you're bringing me back to tennis with my brother. He was so patient, just volleying back and forth, waiting for me to screw up. That's why he always took me down to tennis. It's funny how you, when you play tennis though, you study your opponent and you know, like, all right, I can outlast him. He'll make the mistake. Like, if I just outlast it, you know, I can volley, volley. But to use that analogy, that might work in a wild card round. To win Super Bowls, you need to you need a slammer. You need a tomahawk. You need an aggressive, violent mm-hmm. volley. You can't just play patty cake four games in a row. Last game, Philly-Tampa. Philly-Tampa. Who do you got and why? Oh, this game, I can't stand Tampa. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you, for your investment that you that, – that Tyler is awesome. And that's what I love about gambling, the NFL. Tyler had a Tampa playoff futures bet that cashed in. But what's crazy to me about this game, I want to go hard on – like I want to go all in on Philly. But – they're so bad on defense. Yeah. It's exactly what I just said about Detroit. I will say about Philly. I don't know what, what I'm getting on that. That defense, their rankings are garbage. Like they're bottom in their low 20s in every important category. They're not close. Like it's not, but I don't think Tampa's good enough. I don't think Baker is healthy enough or good enough to really exploit. Because, I mean, as bad as Philly's defense is, Baker was healthy, and and they were like those receivers are going to blow Philly up. But I don't trust I don't trust Baker's health. I don't trust Baker. I don't trust Tampa. I'm going to take the team that I at least know has a Super Bowl pedigree. I'm going to take Philly, and I hate the game. As everyone expected into this season, 
a playoff game will boil down to Matt Patricia matching wits with Baker Mayfield. That is what the people want. That's what the people get. Now we're going to see. Who do you think? Tampa. Tampa will win. Philly's a wreck. I don't know where Philly even begins to try to fix this. I think losing both coordinators was massive. They've got talent. I mean, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Maybe they're able to flip the switch offensively, but they ain't flipping it defensively. I'm not worried about the offense. Yeah, I'm not worried about the offense. Look at this, Tyler. Points per play, 29th, Philly. Yards per play, 24th. Third down, 31st. Those are... Those are like those are top. Those are bottom. Like you're picking in the top five, top ten in the draft with those numbers. Garbage. The pencil. The pen. You can't wear a pencil with those numbers. I know. I. I think I. I I'll pick Tampa Bay just because. Uh, right. We were I mean, so in on Tampa back in. No. <laughs> I would be worried about the ribs for Baker Mayfield. He just hasn't looked that great since that injury. Carolina should have won I mean, that game. I can't get by Carolina. Uh, that's what I'm struggling with. Like Carolina should have beat them. Like, or not, not should have. They had every opportunity to beat Tampa. I can't get that out of my head right now. But that Philly defense, garbage. That's the thing. Like, as even with the ribs, even with how Tampa's offenses have looked the last couple of weeks, Philly has looked worse. Like Philly has looked terrible against not good teams Arizona the Giants god they've just been abysmal to watch I think Tampa has a little more met a little bit more momentum than Philly I think they're going into this dance a little more confident confidence in their formula to win a playoff game there's something going on Philly in that head coach what do you think it is I don't think the players are into him. Why is that? Because the coordinators are gone. And I think they must have been holding it together a little bit more than we knew. I'm not, they're not buying into this guy right now. Their, their answers are very, you know what I mean? They're not like coming out with like, when they're getting asked, like, what's going on? What's wrong with this year? You just hear the, the general stuff, but it's almost, it's just too vague. It's not, we need to do this. We believe they're not coming out with those strong statements. Like, no, we believe we know we can do this. It's almost like, uh, we don't know what's going on. Like we need the head coach to help us right now. Like we're struggling. That's my take on it. That's my read. There's something off with that. There's just something off. You, you talked about it before the season, with the coordinators leaving to pay attention, you know, let's watch that. I think that's – those guys are proving to be pretty good head coaches right now. I mean, they've done a pretty nice job as rookie coaches, I think. Don't you? As head coaches? You raise such a great point. You raise such a great point, Jim, because I think so often you have to pay attention to what you don't hear on the outside at press conferences, in locker room interviews, like what what tone isn't being struck? And I hadn't thought of that with Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, the fact that they aren't just rushing to his defense and sounding 
overly optimistic about the state of affairs from the top down. But yeah, I mean, look at look at Indy with Shane Steichen. Look at the Cardinals with Jonathan Gannon. Like we can make fun of him all we want for looking like Kendall Roy at the Living Plus speech back in the summer. Man, guys played for him. They played. They played hard for him. Like they they don't have much talent. They they, they fought and Indy fought. Then that speaks to coaching. So let's let it play out. Let's see what happens. But those losses were, were huge. I mean, if you're reaching for the Matt Patricia emergency button, things probably aren't great. <laughs> it, it's uh, If they lose this game, that is, I think, a telling sign. That is a major failure of a season for a team. You know, for where their expectations were, that comes down on the head man to be answerable to the owner on that one. You know, there, there, there's probably not nearly enough time here to get into all of the non-playoff talk, but whether it's Brian Dable and Wink Martindale having this uh, heated exchange per the New York Post and Wink just storming out, th- this is what's so hilarious about this time of year. It was a great report, very detailed, absolutely happened. And what happens in the Giants? I think the reason the Giants put it out there is like Wink Martindale didn't officially resign. It was he's pissed off at Brian Dable for firing like his right hand man on the defensive staff. So he just leaves, gets the hell out of Dodge, but he didn't officially resign. So the Giants are like putting this out there. Well, if he's gone, he better do put in the proper paperwork. <laughs> Um, but what happens a day later? What's the official report? A mutual parting of ways. You know, so that's really what happened here, Jim. Everybody's holding hands and singing singing a nice, harmonious hymn of sorts at Giants HQ, and they just and they just part ways mutually. Everybody decides we're best off parting ways, but yeah, that you know, we talk about stuff that we get right. That was definitely something I got wrong. I thought the Giants would win the division. Hey, they beat Philly. They beat Philly in the last game. So maybe I'm right, but I really saw this season going better for the Giants. Injuries obviously were huge, but every team has injuries. They probably had a few more than most teams. Not good. It's going to be a big 2024 for the Giants. Tyler, you would never believe the drama within coaching staffs, scouting staffs. It's just like any other industry, whoever, wherever you work, the clicks and the high school drama that we all experienced growing up, middle school drama. It always, it exists in NFL locker rooms and buildings, cafeterias. I always said, go to the, you'll see the defensive coaches sitting together, the offensive coaches sitting together. Rarely do you see them really talk that much. You know, it, the clicks. You see the certain guys that you know the guys that are hanging together, just like in high school. I, that table, I, don't, I never see that guy sit at that table. Um, <laughs> and then to think about Wink Martindale, I learned a long time ago too with coaches, it's a tough industry. The firings, 
Sean Payton, when he took over, I remember he hired Gary Gibbs from Dallas as his defensive coordinator and had nothing but respect. And, and you could tell that he was, I mean, that was his hire, you know, as his first head coach, your coordinators, you value, that's your major hire, especially for coach Payton, who's an offensive guy. It didn't work out. And coach Payton moved on from him. And I, I just remember like, man, these guys have to make tough decisions. And that was a professional parting of a firing, however you want to call it. But then you see when McDermott and Leslie Frazier, how that thing, we still don't know what really happened, even though we know. Um, and Martindale and Dable having blowups. It's, that's the middle school. It's middle school. All the stuff we experienced never stops. It's all just ego stuff. It wasn't my fault. It was your fault. Oh, my God. I mean, it's such, it's such a great point with uh, everything that happens behind the scenes because it's just a good reminder that when things are sold as peaceful and nothing to see here, we're all getting along. Very rarely is, is that the case. Anywhere, anywhere, especially when you're losing. I mean, losing kind of brings the warts to the surface, and then you need to burn those warts off one way or another, to use a very gross analogy. You've been involved with those warts. You've had to burn some off, haven't you, Jim? Yeah, you went gross on us. Um, but to your point, though, it's just – it's, but it is gross. I mean, it really is. It's the gross side of the business. It really is. It's hey, speaking bad. of warts, then, what about Pete Carroll in Seattle? Is what what the hell happened there? Mm, that is when sometimes I think you need to know, just try to have a little self-awareness when it's time to leave the party. Um, the, you know, it's, Hey, it's, it's, I'm the last one looking around dancing. He's always the one out there throwing the football. Like, Hey Pete, like, I know you can still throw a football at your age. It's impressive. You can run down the field and sprint and you have great energy and you are healthy but you are the last guy to me at the party right now. We are trying to, we're going to move this thing along. You and Gino, thank you. I think they need to make that next transition. Talking about tough decisions, that's got to be hard. Schneider, to me, Tyler, is as good a GM as there is in the NFL. Their drafts are good every year. We talk about their rookies every year. And if his vision is long-term, which is the GM's job for the owner, to keep this thing relevant year in and year out. I think it's time to move on. I'm okay with it. Like I hate it. I, you know, I, I respect, obviously we respect what Pete Carroll's done in his career. You hate to see it go. It it wasn't what he wanted, obviously in his press conference, he wanted to coach. He wants to stay. Part. (laughs) Isn't it sad? It's kind of sad. You know, he wants to keep coaching and running and throwing a football and this is what the good teams do. This is what the smart teams do. They strip emotion from the equation and they do what's right. They draft Jordan Love when it's going to make people uncomfortable. Seattle moves on from Pete Carroll when it's going to make Pete Carroll uncomfortable. I'm with you. Because I think initially news like this breaks and it's something that nobody was talking about thinking about he won a super bowl of course he'll be there as long as he wants to be there no no like seattle's been drafting pretty pretty damn good 
arguably better than anybody the last few years. That speaks to the personnel staff. What's happening with that talent on Sundays? That's good, not great. You got to deal with San Francisco. You got to deal with Sean McVay and the Rams. Change is needed. So I, I think this is this was very, very forward thinking for Seattle. Whoever made the decision, however it went down, it could not have been easy. I mean, Schneider and Carroll have been joined at the hip Amazing. for a long time. That's I mean, tough. Very long. Tough, tough. Yeah. It had to have been extremely difficult to uh, divorce. I mean, it's a, it's a divorce. Hard to tell your, your brother or best friend that the party's over. The, the wife, the wife it was excited for you to come over tonight, <laughs> but it's time to shut this thing down. You're the last one. I mean, basically Pete Carroll is Elaine Bennis dancing at the office party, <laughs> right? Thumbs out, limbs flailing you know uncontrollably. It's I funny. Lane, let's, come on, let's settle down and go home. In his press, you know, in the, in the press conference that he was talking about how he still has energy and he feels great. And it's almost like, yeah, Pete, we know. Like, you've made that point to us. We see the highlights of you in practice. But it's not about your health right now. We, you are healthy enough, like, which is a great thing <laughs> to anybody that's ever worked in football. It's like, if you can stay healthy in football, that's, um, that's a good sign. It tells you, you have some work-life balance. He does. But at the same time, it's kind of sad that there isn't something else out there for him. He would be excited to like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you won at college, you won in the pros, like Pete, like go with your family, like ride off into the sunset. You could you can show up every week on Fox, whoever wants you will get a job tomorrow as an analyst if you want to be around football. I'll never understand Tyler. I will never understand how they don't want to get out of it. Yeah. The coaches. I don't. It's um we, we always come back to either like Seinfeld or the oh, Shawshank yeah. Redemption, right? Like the, Shaw, the Shawshank Redemption is like, he's out of prison. He goes That's, home. He doesn't really know home. what to do. Like, what, what, I'm out, but what do I do? These football coaches, they get, I think a lot of them get out. They, they're a little terrified of what's life going to be like. It's real. Yeah. When you're but not the, the difference would day, be, there is a little difference in what, um, Shawshank and what? Oh yeah. So we had to hit pause there again because my uh, my buddy that bartends here at Hagemeister came over to say hello. So we don't even know where we were, Jim. I'll no, Tyler, I was laughing. It takes me back to our original days on this pod when we used to do. We were some heavy. We we're doing some heavy drinking on the pod. You know, the the first. Uh, I'd say first good year and a half. <laughs> year maybe well it was the the draft extravaganza that did not make its way to public domain it was the trevor lawrence draft that i really wish i would have recorded that and just would have kept it maybe to leverage it against you if i ever needed something from you jim because i'd say look i've got this content here that i i can wield as a weapon 
because you said things on this that would be very damaging to your reputation. I'm just kidding. I would never do that to you. No, but that was fun. <laughs> you might help me get a job with the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you were a soothsayer. That's why I should have recorded it. It's, it's pretty hilarious to uh, tune into ESPN and, and hear some of the brightest media minds say the Atlanta Falcons should pursue Justin Fields when one Jim Monis here on the Go Long Show advocated strongly and then some for the Atlanta Falcons to draft Justin Fields instead of Kyle Pitts. So you're right. It's 180. Should have recorded it because you'd be back in an NFL front office right now if that saw the light of day. What am I talking about? The good part is it doesn't matter. But it's good to, it's good to know that the Go Long, hey, we're just giving out some good advice on Go Long. Just good advice. That's all. We try to hit more than we miss. Oh, I do that every night, especially when I'm betting on Evansville and Bradley tonight. Jim, you bet on Evansville and Bradley? Bradley had a nice run in the second half and covered, though, so we're happy. I mean, do, do we need an intervention? Do I need to sit you down and talk about betting on Evanston versus Bradley? No, I just need NF, I need football on. <laughs> There's no well, remember during COVID when there were no sports? <laughs> you know, but you, my, you'd know better than me. Weren't people betting on like Russian, like my, army wrestling or something? Like, what, what my was horse on? racing? No, the only thing my horse racing account during COVID was scary. COVID that was what scared me because the only thing that was going on really that I was betting on was horse racing. Now you could bet on basketball games, um, baseball, Korean baseball was big. Korean baseball and horse racing. But my horse racing account was ridiculous. Like it was, you didn't realize that there was horse racing going on everywhere, all over the world, all day long, basically. Really? Oh, yeah. So horses, like the jockeys couldn't give each other COVID while they're on (laughs) horses, apparently. I'm telling you, that sport is Teflon. Oh, my God. What a time. What a time. I mean, we can't forget what that year was like. Looking back, oh, I was just uh, hanging out with um, a Packer player out here for a story. And I guess everybody will see it here soon, but he, he hit it off with his wife during COVID. And so they're around each other all the time. It was right when they started dating. He's like, yeah. It's, it's like we all did the same thing. Yeah, they were watching Tiger King, Last Dance. Everybody was doing the same thing. Same thing. At the same time, which is wild. When you really think about millions of people stuck in their homes, unsure what in the hell was going on. Glad we're talking about playoff games. It's traumatizing to think back to that. All right, Jim. Final thoughts? Anything? No, this is the weekend, though. This is the best weekend of football, I think. Love it, love it. Just Agreed. for the, all the all the like, is love going to upset Dallas? You know, what's that? That storyline to me is the one because that would set off all your your mentor Mike McCarthy, who you learn from. That will just send off so much if Dallas would lose to them. It would. It'd make things quite interesting in Big D, which is 
a topic of discussion with uh, Brett with Brett Favre. I mean, he played for Mike McCarthy. I asked him what what would it be like in Dallas if they lose. And Jerry Jones is holding that press conference in the locker room after the game and another playoff failure against the Green Bay Packers, his former team. They don't have an owner here in Green Bay. I know that. All right. Goody. Goody can own Green Bay. Draft in love. He should be the executive of the year. Brian Kudikins for that I'm choice alone. That. I'm good with that. It hasn't been perfect, right? They traded Rasul Douglas to Buffalo, and all he did was – single-handedly win them a game against New England, but man, the quarterback position is too important. Let's uh, let's shut her down right there. Jim, good to see you. Let's get together in person very soon, and I'll be uh, back out there in, in Western New York to, to keep this pod going. Yeah, we got to get together at Fatty for sure. Um, I forgot, I was texting with Chris um, during that Miami game, he was down in Miami for that game down Fort Lauderdale. Oh yeah, I, I was going to text him if, if they lost, if he was going to stay down there for the week, <laughs> but then they won, so I didn't. But anyway, he boys, made it, he made it back safely. I haven't heard from him. Hmm. I'll oh. check it. We might have it. We we may we may meet up at uh, Seneca. That's our headquarters. Chris and I have some meetings there. Our fatty, uh, fatty headquarters at Seneca. Black, <laughs> blackjack table. I'm worried about you too. Bradley versus Davidson. Evan, I even forgot Evan, the teams. Evan, they were. Evans. Evan. Oh, sorry. 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 Good second half. Have a good night, everyone. Mm-hmm.